Welcome to Attention to Detail, the classical music listening guide, where we give you the tools to understand, appreciate, and enjoy listening to classical music. Hey, welcome back to Attention to Detail. This is Hannah, joined with Jacob. Hi, Jacob. How are you? I'm doing very well. Yeah. Been an exciting few days. Yeah, you had yeah. a birthday, big 14. Yeah, I did. Uh, what do you mean, big 14? I don't know. You turned 14. You think I turned 14? <laughs> Yeah. I'm teasing. I, we just I don't know about you, but I get lots of like jokes here about being very young. Yeah, sometimes same. Yeah. Sometimes same. I, I in fact turned twenty seven on the twenty seventh. Mm. Oh yeah, your golden birthday. That's what I was told. And in fact, I have to say, got a lot of fantastic gifts. One from you, Hannah, mm-hmm. a nice Montepulciano D O C G. For those yeah. listeners who know uh, a little bit about wine. A good gift. It was a very good gift. Yeah. I was impressed. But I got to put it second to one of my friends got me um, some golden beets, some golden carrots, a few golden raisins. It was a uh, melange of golden produce <laughs> for my golden birthday. That's which really was, funny. Which was a nice, very touching gift. But when so. you said golden beets, I thought you were talking about like Dwight Trout. In the office. A little bit. I mean, I actually am thinking about um, the way that I'm going to cook all of these golden uh, produce items tonight. I think I'm going to make them tonight. But so if you have any suggestions for a golden themed dish, uh, we can think about that. Could saute them all or do a golden soup. Could do that. I also got a lemon. I'm going to have to work in a lemon. <laughs> I think oh, it would be good, though. You could roast them all and drizzle lemon on top. It's a good idea. Yeah. It's a good idea. Yeah, it was so excellent birthday. Uh, maybe my best birthday ever. I might I really? might go as far as to say that. Uh, very exciting. Okay. But then, um, unfortunately, the next day, significantly worse because I learned that I damaged my car. <gasps> And it's going to set me back. I'm not even going to tell you how much money it's going to set me back. It's uh, it's brutal. Eee. Yeah, car repairs cost a lot of money. Yeah. I'm also not going to tell you how I damaged my car. I it's, don't want to know. It, you don't want to know. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Wow. I w- I, that's so funny that you mentioned that because I have been thinking. I don't have a car. Uh-huh. And I live downtown and I just walk everywhere. Yeah. And so, and I've been thinking lately, should I, is it time to buy yeah, a car? Maybe not. Nope. No, no. mm -mm. Unless you want to quickly burn through a month of rent, just no. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) never mind. I'll keep on walking. We've we've dashed that idea before it even started. (laughs) All right, so on to our uh, topic of today, or rather, before we even get to our topic of today, I have to ask you if you remember last time. I gave a homework assignment. You reminded me very politely today that I had homework to do. And you hadn't done your homework yet? Yeah, I said, oh, and then I dropped an expletive, and Uh I said, I will get to it right away. Well, hey, better late than never, as they say. Mm. So you did the homework. I did the homework about 30 minutes ago. And just to recap, the homework was to listen to the last movement of Eroica Symphony twice. The link was in the previous episode's description. And the first time to cut out this big slow section that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. So if you can remember 30 minutes ago when you did the <laughs> homework, uh, give us your impressions of this piece sans the uh, big slow section. Bold, exuberant, yeah. brimming with 
loudness. Yeah. And just lots of um, exclamatory emotion. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I can totally see that. And then what about with the slow section? The slow section was so interesting because it all, it, that, mm, I can't remember what it was. Was oboe, it an oboe? Yeah. yeah. It sort of came out of nowhere. Right. And like, what is this? The first listen, I, I was just trying to anticipate, like, what was it that I just cut out? Uh-huh. And so during the second listen, when I let the whole clip just play, I was very anxious about what it was. And so then all of a sudden there's just oboe. And I was like, well, that's sort of random. Yeah. But then it sort of built and built and built. But it was sort of in, it felt to me sort of slow-mo. Yeah. Like like Chariots of Fire when you're just like running in (laughs) slow-mo. It felt like that. And then it started just like building and building. So it made me... The whole time, it, I was thinking, like, why would Beethoven do this? Yeah. And so from that very specific listen that you gave me to do, it made me wonder, well, perhaps he's trying to really um, emphasize all of those notes and that structure that he put in. I could be very wrong, but it, that was the exercise that I received from you. So that's what I was gathering. There are no wrong answers. Mm. There are no. This is the fun thing, is that there are no wrong answers, and that's... Um, and you asked exactly the right question. This is what we talked about on our last episode, and it's a good segue into our episode today, the second part on form. Yeah. Uh, the idea that what, what could Beethoven have included here? Yeah. And that's why we did that episode, because he could have stopped and included so many different types of music. And so part of formal listening requires you to, in the moment, kind of do that. Mm. You know, you don't have the luxury always of cutting something out or stopping the recording when you're at a concert but this is why it's a skill that we have to build you kind of hear something and you think why did they choose specifically that it's just like it's just like a poet when you why did they choose that modifier versus any other modifier they could have chosen Mm -hmm. why did they choose to uh start a new stanza at this particular point as opposed to anywhere else in the poem um and so when you're listening, you kind of have to try to do that with the poetry. You have the luxury of taking as long as you want to think about why they chose a word. And listening, it happens in real time, um, which makes it tricky, but also very active and exciting. So it's an excellent segue to our topic of today, which is a, a continuation of the topic that we were discussing last time, and that's the idea of form. And I mentioned, as we, as we discussed last time, we were talking about kind of the general abstract sense of form, how mm. what you hear affects other things that you hear later and earlier. Today we're going to actually talk about some of the most standard forms in classical music, and today maybe is going to be the most technical jargon that I throw at you at any point on this podcast. Okay. So just be prepared. It, I promise it won't be... Uh, too unbearable, but okay. but this is, I think this is so important that it's worth, if there's one thing that we should actually kind of academically learn, it's some of these forms. Okay. I think that's much more important to me um, and hopefully to our listeners than knowing when Beethoven was born, when he died, yeah. or uh, knowing when a certain piece, what, even knowing the history around a certain piece, something like that. I think this stuff is so common 
in music so important that it's worth taking the time to just kind of cover it and learn a little bit about it. Great. I'm you down for that? Okay, I, good. Absolutely. Excellent. So we're going to start talking about, um, we're going to talk today about three forms, the three, I think, maybe most common forms that we have in, in music. These are large-scale forms that we'll be able to recognize when we're listening. And all of these forms, when I say form, I kind of mean how an entire movement is structured, a movement of a symphony, a movement of a chamber piece, something like that. We have names for the construction of an entire movement. Mm. So the things we're going to talk about today, just so I throw the names at you, are sonata form, theme and variations, and rondo. And they have these names. And so we could describe an entire movement of a symphony as sonata form. And that would fall under a certain category of things that happen. Now, all of the forms that we're talking about, and indeed every form that has a name that doesn't have a name, every musical form is about the idea of expectation and realization or lack of realization of that expectation. So take the example that you discussed in the homework. Mm. All of what you heard preceding this slow section set up some sort of expectation. Conscious, subconscious, I'm not sure, but some sort of expectation in your mind of what was going to come. Sure. And so then the slow section that we hear either meets your expectation doesn't meet your expectation, falls somewhere in the middle, enhances some element of your expectation. You know, it interacts with what you've heard. Yeah. So you hear something, it leads you to think, I'm going to hear something else. We talked a little bit about this in Melody already, in our episode on Melody, of the idea of expectation and really on a small scale. Yeah. And this is kind of what's happening with form on a big scale. So it's important to keep that in mind when we talk about all of these things, because what they're doing with is playing with our expectations of what we're going to hear and either tweaking them or uh, meeting them or something like that. So that's that's a frame of reference that I want us to think about all form in. So we're going to start with sonata form. It's the single, I think, most important form that listeners of classical music should know about. Mm. It's akin to, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the rondo, if you think about a pop song the structure of verse chorus or verse refrain is the most common pop song form. Yeah. We we know what that's like. There's a chorus that comes back and there are verses that give us new lyrics, give us new music. Sonata form is the verse chorus of classical music. It happens all the time. Most first movements of symphonies from the classical, the romantic, and even the early modern periods are in sonata form. A lot of chamber pieces, a lot of concertos, their first movements are almost always in sonata form. So it's a good thing for us to learn about. I should make an important distinction. This is kind of like uh, the world of wine that can get a little confusing. Sonata form is different from a sonata there are pieces called sonatas. Yeah. Beethoven piano sonata number 23. Yeah. That is the name of a piece. It refers to 
a piece that has a small number of instruments, either a violin and piano, cello, piano, piano solo, but a sonata is a piece with very few instruments. Sonata form is form for a movement. So we have to distinguish those things. It happens to be the case that almost all sonatas, their first movement, are in sonata form. Okay. That's why they sound like that, but that's a good... Just so we're not confused. Good. If you type in sonata to Mm, YouTube, it will give you a bunch of sonatas. They may or may not be in sonata form. Okay. And other things can also be in sonata form. Symphonies, concertos, quartets, Mm. you name it. Excellent. So... Sonata form is something that developed over the course of many, many years, and that's a term that we call it now, but just like if you were thinking about common forms of a novel, and you know, I don't, I don't even know what I could say is a common form of a novel, but this idea of kind of exposition of characters, plot development, character development, some sort of climax resolution. Mm. I'm showing my inexperience in the literary field here, but I don't actually know if that has a specific name, that type of form for a novel. But it's something that authors for generations have gravitated towards because that works really well. That's a great narrative arc Mm. for a novel. Sonata form is kind of the same way. If you sat down and tried to map out, like, what's the best ideal form for music, and you tried to write it down, and you wrote down, like, oh, we're going to have two themes, and then we're going to develop them, and then we're going to both... That wouldn't... You wouldn't come to the sonata form conclusion. No one would ever do that. This is something that evolved over many hundreds of years, and composers settled on this narrative structure because it's so effective Mm. and so that's how we actually ended up with sonata form and sonata form is really all about contrast that's what makes it so exciting and that's why it's stuck as a form is that it's all about contrast and so the first thing the main thing that we need to know about sonata form is that in the beginning it presents two themes two themes and they're contrasting. And so the entire idea of sonata form is that we have a clash. Mm. We have two themes that are fighting for superiority, and they're very different. We've got Romeo and Juliet's of, of uh, themes. It's such a classic uh, narrative mm. arc of Montagues versus Capulets yeah. or... Um, Sharks versus jets, or but it's conflict yeah. and conflict that needs to be resolved somehow. Mm. That's the driving force behind sonata form. So, technically, what we need to be listening for in the beginning are two themes that are highly contrasted. So, if you remember our mapping episode and we listened for these kind of landmark points in the piece, mm. you want to activate that level of listening now. We're kind of going to listen on a minute-to-minute basis and really listen for these huge landmarks where the music maybe comes to a stop or shifts abruptly and see if you can hear the two themes. So I'm going to play this for you, really famous piece, and try to listen on that large scale and as we did with mapping, try to describe these large sections in kind of broad strokes. You can use adjective, you can 
make a room out of it like we did in our mapping episode, something to describe the change that we hear in these two sections. Cool. So do you think you caught a big shift where we we went from one kind of theme and character to a totally different one? Uh, I think so. I, I think I struggled because it's so well known that yeah. it was like I know this very, very well. So right. it's hard to listen to it um, and break it down. That can so be a challenge. Finally. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it starts off with the very recognizable, bah, 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 yeah. and then it develops from there, but it's still within that, those, um, that same sort of theme. Exactly. Um, and then I think if I'm remembering right, it's like a loud horn, horn. and then, Perfect. It, and then it departs to like the, bah, bah, I don't want to hum it because I'm going to get it wrong, but yeah. the, the strings and they sort of descend from there and then it, goes back to the the main theme excellent (laughs) okay excellent job i've also i've been thinking about it i think we should both this is no criticism of you or myself we should both agree for our listeners sake never to sing again on this podcast never to sing yeah don't you think i mean yours is better than mine but it's at least i know for myself uh, it's it's rough (laughs) when i try to sing it's not a singing podcast, so I can agree to it. Yeah, I mean, go for it if you're if you're feeling moved. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna avoid it. Um, perfect. So you you nailed it. We hear this horn call. Yeah. And then we get the second theme, and in sonata form, like I said, we have two themes. The first theme, you said, ba 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 bomb. That's not singing. That's speaking. Um, <laughs> the first theme. How would you just? What's the character? Oh, uh, forceful. Yeah, very forceful, very anxious. grabbing. Impetuous. Yeah. We hear it soft, we hear it loud. What's the character of the... I see, like, I all of a sudden I'm seeing, like, a relationship between a married couple and perhaps they, like, shouldn't really be together and they... Or perhaps they should be together, and they balance each other out. But the, I see the the departure, the yeah. whatever it is, um, as like a nice, lovely, the the nice, lovely wife in the relationship. That's good. That's good. I will tell you, um, 
thankfully in 2019, hopefully we've moved far past these kind of gender constructs oh, that, that yeah. existed in the, you know, 17th and 18th century, but it was thought of for a long time that the the primary theme is often the, or the first theme is often the kind of male domineering, oh, really? aggressive theme, the... As, like, with most stories, if you have one male and one female character, the secondary theme took on more feminine, uh, lyrical That's so funny that I, like, immediately went there. I mean, that's, uh, like I said, I think, I I think mean, we're we not are, past we that are in 2019. socially structured to think in those terms. Yeah, and, yeah. and certainly what, what is undeniable is that the composers who wrote these pieces in the yeah. 19th century were thinking along those lines. Mm. And so, regardless of what you want to associate with with these themes, um, can I take it back and do like alpha beta? That's it. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Great. We we I'm, updated I'm it for 2019 exactly. But the point is that often you'll recognize a first theme as the more impetuous, the more aggressive, yeah, the more, um, and the second theme shows the real lyrical side of the orchestra and. In this case, we have the ultimate contrast. Yeah. It's the most anxious, forward-moving first theme and a very lyrical, indulgent second theme. Exactly. And so that's the crux of sonata form. We set up this contrast, and we set up these two opposing forces. Mm. Now, when you have opposing forces, one is likely going to win, right? And so in the case of this movement, this is a very fateful symphony, and... It's a trajectory that goes over the course of the entire symphony, but if you listen to this full first movement, it ends very much in this first theme character. Like mm-hmm. you said, forceful, domineering. The first theme prevails in this first movement. But I want to throw at you three terms. Okay, here's where the jargon comes in okay. that are the most important terms in sonata form. And... They seem scary, but they're easier than you might think, okay? Okay. So what we just heard, we just heard the entire exposition of this first movement. So all sonata forms have an exposition. What is an exposition? We expose, much like a novel, we introduce the characters. Mm. First theme, second theme. That's the exposition. Okay. After we hear that, we go to the development Okay. Which is exactly like it sounds. Much like a novel, once we've been introduced to the characters, they develop. Mm. We hear them change. In the case of music, this is where you play around with the themes. You move them to other keys. You alter the rhythm slightly. You alter the tempo slightly. You can do any number of things. It's kind of the place where you have the most musical creativity. You develop these ideas. And then we have the recapitulation. It's a clunky, long word. What it means is everything comes back, Mm. and we get some sort of resolution. In the case of this piece, the resolution is fate. The first theme wins. Depressing. Where do we go from here? Which ends up setting up the entire symphony. But in other sonata forms, the recapitulation ends up very happy. The second theme can prevail. The first theme can prevail in a more triumphant way. But that's what we get. We hear it. We develop it. We hear it again. Cool. Okay. What are the three terms? Um, exposition. Excellent. Uh, the last one is recapitulation. Yeah. The second one is 
what we do in the middle? Development. Perfect. Excellent. Good Excellent. Job. So we can all remember those three times, right? That's the only <laughs> jargon I'm going to throw at you this entire episode, okay. I promise. Great. I passed the quiz. Perfect. So that is sonata form. I want to play for you a little bit of the development mm. so you can hear how this actually happens. But first, let's, let's take a very quick break. Okay. We want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor of Attention to Detail, ENCODA, that's spelled N-K-O-D-A. ENCODA is an online subscription service that gives you access to tons of musical scores with the newest and most up-to-date editions. Many famous artists, including uh, many of whom I've worked with at the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra, use ENCODA on their iPads, tablets, phones, etc., and it's so convenient and user-friendly that I'd encourage all of our, our listeners to check it out. And now back to the show. All right, Hannah, so I'm going to play for you the development now of this symphony, Beethoven's Fifth. And what I want you to listen for, do you remember, you remember kind of how the first and second themes sound? It's a very recognizable... Yep, yep. Yep. Um, Listen if you can hear those themes Mm. in this development, which one you hear, and... You don't need to tell me musically, but you'll hear that stuff is happening, that it's being developed. Sure. But try to keep an ear out for, is this the primary theme? Is this the secondary theme? Cool. So did you hear a little bit? Did it feel like some ideas were being developed? Um, it felt like the first idea just was really expanded throughout. The first kind of theme. Yeah. yeah. The bah, 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 bah. Yes. And then it sped up and it slowed down. And then it sort of, I hope I'm right, it ended with the second theme, but more in a aggressive um, sounding. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're... you're Onto something very good there. Now it's like hide and seek with your ears. It's a quite little bit. fun. It's fun, yeah. right? It, it, excellent. So, I hope our listeners feel the same way. It's this is it, it's a great way to engage your ears, is especially in the development section to try to figure out what theme is being mm. expanded. In the case of this symphony, spoiler alert: <laughs> this first movement is so famous because it's so. It's used in the regu- like the non-classical canon right. all the time. And yeah. it's that is because it's such a fateful, driving movement. And the reason why that is, is because, and this is unusual for sonata form, basically the entire movement is dominated by this first theme. Yeah. Ba-ba-ba-ba. We, hear the, we have these brief moments of respite when we hear the second theme, but... It ends with the first theme. The development is almost all the first theme. Yeah. It's very. It's seven minutes of intense adrenaline. So that's enough on sonata form. Uh, it's 
a huge thing, and it's a thing that I would encourage our listeners to, to look more into, because if there's one thing that's just from an academic, book smarts, facts mm-hmm. thing that to know about in classical music, it's sonata form. Okay. But we've covered the basics. Okay. We know that it's about contrast. We know we're, we're listening for two themes. I want to cover a couple other things quickly. The next one is theme and variations. And we touched on this last time as well. The last moment of Eroica, which we had for homework, mm. there's a big section in the middle that's a theme and variations. And this form, uh, unlike sonata form, what does the word sonata mean? I don't even know what root that comes from. Theme and variations is pretty self-explanatory. There's a theme. And variations. And variations, exactly. (laughs) And I think we all kind of intuitively understand what that is. You'll hear a theme, Mm. and then you'll hear a series of variations on that theme, which will all embellish it in some way. So is it just that one theme? Yes. I mean, you can have... Multiple. Uh, you can have a double theme and variations oh. of, uh, you know, you get you get two themes, you vary both of the themes. So what does it mean to to do the variations? Like, aren't the themes in the sonata form, like what we just heard, weren't those being varied? varied? So those themes get developed. And we're going to, let's listen to a theme and variations to hear how it's slightly different. Okay. Because what you will always hear in a theme and variations is still the theme. You'll hear, oh, okay. in the case of the Eroica, boom, 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 boom. Every time we hear a variation, we'll hear that same idea. It'll just be embellished. Okay. I said I wasn't going to sing, and we've already sang like 10 times. <laughs> when you develop a theme, you alter it in some way. You speed it up, you slow it down, all this kind of stuff. So there's a slight difference. I mean, it's a, it's a good question, but the other idea here is that there's only one theme, okay. and the only musical process that we're focusing on is varying it in a sequence. So vary it, vary it more, vary it again. Mm. And so I'm going to play a few of these variations for you from the Eroica. And what I want you to do is we'll play the theme. You don't even need to give me kind of a character or anything for the theme, okay. but just have it in your ear. And then I'll play for you a few variations, and I want you to give me kind of do our hearing ideas-ish technique. Give me a color, food, uh, adjective, person, whatever. Okay. But not so much of the overall ambiance, but of the way it's being varied, right? Mm. So I'll just give it to you now. This theme to me has a very kind of jovial, upbeat character. So most of the variations will have some of that. Okay. But I want you to listen for how it's being varied. Mm. Right? Okay. What is the composer doing to change it and give that a little descriptor? Okay. Okay, so here's the theme first. So there's the there's the first theme, the only theme. <laughs> now let's listen. Here comes the first variation, and let me know what you think okay. about this one. Okay. 
So first question, could you hear the theme? Yes. Good. It was going in the violin section, yeah. right? Yeah. And they were holding. So how would you describe how it was varied? Um It was it was much more posh uh-huh. than I like um, that. Yeah. And um everything was lengthened in yes. a way where you could really grasp onto all of the notes that were being played i suppose yes yeah. um prior i felt it was very much like a sneaky yes um but then this one it felt like more leisurely and and lyrical more than anything i like else. that yeah if you felt this one was posh i imagine the next one will be even more posh great here's, here's the second variation Okay, I like that actually. Yeah. I mean, it's it's quicker. Like anxiously posh. Yeah. Like Titanic is going down, but like not tragic. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. I love that. The Titanic is going down, but we're still gonna yeah. dance on. We're the enjoying there. ourselves. Like. <laughs> Sorry. Oh wow, I'm really making light of tra- that's great. Tragic events. No, but that's. I mean, look where the mind wanders sometimes. <laughs> that is impressive. All right, let's do one more. Here's, yeah. here's one more variation. So can you hear how the theme, and this is a common technique, starts to get a little more and more obscure? Yeah, it was a struggle for me to try to find it in that last yeah. one. I heard it towards the end, right. like, bump, bump, bump. Yeah. But up until then, I was like, I can't hear it. Yeah. And so it sort of stressed me <laughs> out. And I was like, I can't think of an adjective or a... I was thinking more like expansive, like large, like mountainous. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. For sure. Um, this is a this is a common technique and this is one of the things that composers do in theme and variations is that the theme gets more and more obscured yeah. and the variations take over. Mm. And it's a fantastic it's really it's kind of a composer's uh playground to show off a yeah, little it's bit. Like blending colors almost. Yeah. Colors, and and you're kind of Taking a simple idea and seeing how much you can do with it. Really cool. Yeah, yeah, so it's 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 one of my favorite forms to listen to because yeah. there's endless. I mean, there, you've placed this big restraint on yourself as a composer. Mm. I can only vary this one theme, but then it's like, how much can I do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Very it's cool. a it's a fun fun form. So I want to cover one more very quickly, um, which is the form of a rondo. Okay. And. This one might be the most familiar to our listeners because it's really, we can boil it down to verse, chorus. That's effectively what a rondo is. If we want to be technical about it in musical terms, a rondo is some form of A, B, A, 
something, a something, a mm. where you keep coming back to back this to, oh. a idea. And so the these letters mean like sections of music. Oh, I hear talkings amongst me of a b a form. A b a is a very simple. One ear form. out the other, but now I'm on to all of you. You're on to it now. You <laughs> see, now you can. You're in with the with the crowd, and you can doubtful. You can just go up there and be like, "Hey, nice yep. rondo." Yeah. A b a c a. Yeah. All right. Here we are. You've got all the lingo you need now. So, a rondo is uh, much like a verse chorus form. Okay. In that, we keep returning to the quote unquote chorus, the A section. Mm. And then in the middle, we have sections of, of new music. Okay. Like new lyrics of a song, we're listening for, for new musical ideas. And so the real creativity in the form comes in. We've been talking about this idea of expectation. Based on the A section, what do we expect from the B section? Based on the A section, do we think we're going to also get a C section? Wow. This is one of the most problematic uh, elements of terminology in, in, in music is that you often end up saying the word C section, which... <laughs> <laughs> Of course, sounds a cesarean section. Yeah, like there's there's another meaning of the word C section. That's funny. We're talking about the musical C section here. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, really funny. Yeah, but we're listening for uh, both these kind of middle sections of what new music is introduced, and also when we come back to the quote unquote chorus, mm. is it the same or is there something a little different? So I'm going to play for you. A little, little clips from a rondo so we can hear how this works. This is the last movement of Beethoven's violin concerto. This is a Beethoven-themed episode today. Love it. So we hear it quickly, but that's our main A idea. Oh, okay. You'll hear that come back over and over and over. So if you listen to this whole movement, Beethoven Violin Concerto, third movement, Mm -hmm. maybe this can be a good homework assignment for next time. I'm all all up for it. Listen to the third movement and try to catch how many times you hear that come back. Oh. Okay. Okay? And I'll play for you some because it comes back many, many times. I'll play for you some of the intermediate sections. Do you know the number off the top of your head? I don't, to be honest. I mean, no. Okay. I was just curious. I know the piece, but but I've never actually thought about it in that way, and so I couldn't tell you. Um, But I'll do the homework assignment as well. Great. And and we'll figure it out. Um, Let me play you some some music from in between these sections. Okay. So we hear the B, the C, D sections. How do you feel about that music in contrast to... Um, it's a tough call. Yeah. I can like, give you do mine. Do I prefer one over the other? No, no, no. Me? I just mean, what's the 
what's the difference in kind of affect? I can give you mine because I feel like this is a tough one. Yeah, I was... I, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so uh, for me, I hear the Rondo theme, the, the A theme. Yeah. Boom, 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 which keeps coming back as kind of this... Uh, Nice, quiet, happy, jovial yeah. frog or something jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> the the part we just heard sounded very much more like kind of a peasant's dance, heavy, almost mm. drinking song-esque. Very different, not as necessarily peppy, but a little more drunkenly happy. Sure. That's how I hear the 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 B section. Let me play you a little bit of the other music. Do the same. You'll okay. you'll do the same thing for this next section. Okay. helpful to hear um, the A form yeah, and then go exactly. into... So that was helpful for me. I that's, think that's sort of where I got lost of the one that and we let's, just did before. And let's just say to our listeners, just listen to the whole, yeah. whole piece. <laughs> um, this, the, this other um, form, I don't know what letter it would be. Let's give it C. C. Um, it sounded like a sad Italian violinist on the countryside. That's good. Just I like that. Single tear down. Yeah, the it's cheek. a little. It's a little overly weepy in a way. <laughs> it's kind of let me play my little sad yeah. violin for you. I like it. I like it. Excellent. So that's that's the gist of rondo form. Okay. It's a something a something a, and it gets its kind of narrative drive from always returning back to this thing, cool. then giving you some new music, much like a. And again, as we talked about with all forms, it's playing with this idea of expectation. Mm. When is that theme going to come back? What's going to be in the middle of it? Are we going to end with that theme? Are we going to end with something else? We might not always think about those ideas, but the same phenomenon happens in pop music. We've talked about this dropping the bass phenomenon. You know, There's the expectation, the anticipation of when is this going to come? And then at a certain point, either... Our expectation meets. They delay it a little bit. It might be even more exciting. You know, that's um, that's what these forms are are playing with. Love it. I think I sort of know the answer to this, but for our listeners, how when we are uh, in the concert hall in real time listening to a performance, how do we detect the forms, and how does it really truly help us in our listening experience? Yeah. So I think the answer is that. It, it often can be very challenging. Mm. Um, and also, we haven't discussed every, every archetypal form. form. There are many, many more. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is that it's good to know these things because, first of all, if you want to know, if it's important to you to know what form it's actually in, occasionally the program will give you a clue. Mm. If it's a rondo or a theme in variations, the movement might be called that. If it's a first movement, you have a good guess of a symphony or something. You have a good guess that it's possibly in sonata form. If mm-hmm. it's from kind of 1780 to 1920, yeah. you have a pretty good guess. That's most of the symphonies we hear. But regardless, you can know these things and try to figure it out, and it almost doesn't matter f- to me if our listeners catch 
what form they're actually hearing. Gotcha. The more important thing is to be listening formally. Mm -hmm. And if you figure it out, all the better. But I think knowing some standard forms can kind of activate our minds to the ways in which composers are choosing to build their piece. Yeah. And so I want us to be listening more than anything for, is there a contrast initiated right at the beginning? Are we hearing some sort of conflict that needs to be resolved later in the movement? Hmm. Is there a theme that's being introduced that we're going to hear over and over and over? If so, maybe I need to really be listening for variation. Is there a refrain that keeps coming back? If so, should I be noticing what's coming between the refrains? Should I be noticing if the refrain is the same every time? It's not actually so important to me that the listener is able to say sonata form, rondo, boom. It's about thinking about, and the, the reality is that sonata forms are all different. One of the most interesting things about listening to music, analyzing music as you get higher and higher level, is that all composers from the time of Beethoven onwards knew what this sonata form was. Mm. They knew that their audience would expect it, and so they play with it. And so... Some people will write a sonata form where the first theme is really lyrical and uh, mournful, moving, and the second theme is impetuous and exciting. Some of them will have a super long development. Some of them will skip the recapitulation. You know, all these type of uh, interesting things. But that's, that's not as important as listening formally and, again, listening to how one thing interacts the, with the other. But I think if we've thought about some of these forms and... Of course, in the privacy of your own home, go on Wikipedia and look up, is this first movement in sonata form? Mm. It'll tell you. Then just listen to it and you'll, you'll know. Yeah. And you can practice that But if you really want to do that. But more importantly, I want us to listen. We want to listen for how different musical sections interact and activate that formal listening element of our ear. Very cool. I think it just adds even more to the listening experience um, where you can just ring out the piece more and just soak up more as yeah. the listener. And for me, it helps, at least for me, connect to the composer a little bit more. And so I'm always asking, like, why would he or she decide to do that? And that's yeah. so intriguing to be thinking about. I think that's an excellent, that's the most important question to ask is they had the choice of doing anything. Yeah. Why did they choose to do this? And that's that's the essence of what we're getting after when we're we're looking at form here. It's a very exciting question. So yeah. thank you so much. Well, I'm excited to uh, go off and and listen to some third movement of Beethoven's Violin Concerto. And I also just want to say, as a little teaser for our listeners, we have a very exciting uh, new development coming very shortly on our podcast. And so keep your eyes peeled because. Uh, in some subsequent episodes, we're going to be releasing some some new content. We have a new partnership that I'm very excited about. And so just just keep your eyes peeled because there's a lot more to that's coming from, from attention to detail in the coming days and, and weeks. So we're looking forward. Yep. Very exciting. Thank you so much for listening. Yep. See you soon. For more information about this podcast, you can find us at attentiontodetailpod.com where you'll find a list of techniques presented in these episodes and a two-week program for starting your own listening practice. 
You can also find us on all of your favorite social media channels. We encourage you to follow us, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating. We hope to see you soon at a concert.